James. Sorry, hello, hello. <laughs> James. Yes, James. I'm here. She did it again. No, what, James. What are you talking about, Britney Spears or you or your genie? Eugenie, yeah, you know I'm talking about Eugenie, obviously, oh as if she couldn't possibly encroach on Harry and Meghan's space more. You know what Eugenie and Jack just did, right? I can't believe it. It's so cringe. Yes. <laughs> yes. They announced that they're moving right next door to Meghan and Harry. It's ridiculous. Can you believe it? They, they, right need, next door. they need to calm down. What are they doing? <laughs> it's not enough to be getting married at the same venue the same year also going to move right next door. I mean, obviously we're kidding. They're they're actually supposedly good friends. Right. They supposedly even all hung out in Canada together when Megan was still doing suits and so on. So we're only sort of giving you a hard time, Eugenie. <laughs> you know that, we know that you're not just a hanger on. Right. And when we launch really. our Eugenie and Jack podcast, we will be all over you. But right now, it's all about Megan and Harry. So please just calm yourselves, okay? It's not about you <laughs> yet, guys. It's not about you. <laughs> not yet. And that means it's also time that we should be introducing ourselves because I'm Kristen Meinzer, a lifelong Royals enthusiast in the U.S. I'm James Barr, a ginger royal-loving Harry fan in a very sunny London, which is completely decked out with Union Jack's flags with only two weeks to go. Yes. And you're listening to When Meghan Met Harry, a royal wedding cast. In each episode, we examine all the latest news about the wedding. We do a deep dive into a pressing issue about our fave couple and finally give our predictions for what we think will go down on the big day itself. The most important day of our lives. All of our lives forever. All of our lives. Shall we get to it with this week's headline? Yeah, let's messy bun and get this done. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> I don't know how to snap, so I had to say that. <laughs> Your snapping is on fire. First up, we are in the final days until the wedding, and you know that. You can tell because the palace is making announcements like crazy. On Friday, they dropped a ton of news, chiefly among what roles Meghan's parents, Doria and Thomas, are going to play in the ceremony. Yes, as the palace confirmed, one of our predictions is not coming true, unfortunately, though. Who knows? Maybe they could flip the script on the day. Megan's mom, Doria, will be accompanying her in a car on the way to the ceremony. And later, her father, Thomas, will be using all his knowledge gained by studying up. (laughs) And he'll be walking (laughs) Megan down the aisle. You are, of course, talking about that iconic book that Thomas was reading about London landmarks. Yes, yes, that's So right. cute. Thomas, I can't wait to see you at the wedding. We're on Team Thomas, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so Team Tom. And obviously, yeah, we predicted Doria would walk Meghan down the aisle, and we still stand with that prediction. It's definitely the better choice, but maybe the Queen decided they needed to heed to tradition. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, the palace notes that Meghan's parents will arrive in the UK the week before the wedding so everyone can spend some time together and meet before the big day. Can you imagine that meeting? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you <laughs> can you imagine being Thomas, like, and, and suddenly meeting the Queen? Like... Poor shy Thomas That's with so his crazy. guidebook and trying to figure out streets in London. Oh, my gosh. And on Harry's side, we also find out that Diana's sister, Lady Jane Fellows, will be giving a reading at the wedding and representing Harry's mum in memory. Oh, oh, I'm going to go again. <laughs> Me too. Um, the palace also says that Harry and William will arrive at the chapel by foot, though they didn't say it was by human feet. It could be horses' feet, hooves. As we predicted. Yeah, we're yes. still convinced we still think that that will happen. That's a possibility. And William reportedly will not be attending the FA Cup. What? I'm really shocked by this news. That's shocking. We thought he was going to chop her in for that just to give out the trophy or the cup or whatever it's called. But 
guess not. Great. No? Keep talking no? about football, Kristen. You've, you've got this. <laughs> you know everything about the English Football League. Go. <laughs> no, nothing about it's it. It's called the FA Cup. I know Cup. that they use, they use their feet with football in your country. Yeah, I don't really know anything about football either, but it's called the FA Cup, so that's what they're winning. <laughs> they, win, they win the FA Cup, I think. I, I'm really not sure. We don't know anything else. But, Clearly, we should not be hosting well, a sports moving show. Moving on. Um, we did also hear about some other nitty-gritty details for the day itself. The ceremony will take only an hour. I need it to be way longer yes. than that. And the first people that the newly married couple will see coming out of the ceremony will be the representatives of Harry's Charities, which is so lovely. Oh, that is lovely. That's really, really lovely. We also heard that the procession afterward will take about 25 minutes. And James, you and I will be chasing that procession the whole 25 minutes. So yep. let's do some push-ups and practice our burpees and be ready to run after that carriage. Oh my God, totally. And jump over everyone else in the way. <laughs> and we also now know that the photographs, which will be taken by Alexei Lubomirsky, the same photographer who did those sexy engagement photos, <gasps> we understand that the wedding photos will be released during the week oh, after the wedding. It's so, so, close. It's so close. So close. It's so real. So close. Love is real guys love is real let us know if you're going to be in Windsor by the way because we want to hang out with you Kristen and I will both be freaking out yes absolutely and some news about after the wedding People Magazine reports that Meghan and Harry will be postponing their honeymoon oh my god we need to cancel our flights Kristen we were going to stalk them we have to hang (laughs) out with them before they go on their honeymoon absolutely we need to change our plans I don't understand why they've done this Let's, let's dive into it the reason why they're postponing their honeymoon is of course because of more royal engagements. And as most of us know by now, there are no royal engagements happening between now and the wedding date. But immediately after the wedding, they will be back out there again. People Magazine quotes palace spokesman Jason Knopf saying the couple will be going on honeymoon, but not straight away. They'll have their first engagements as a married couple in the week after the wedding, and this is definitely not unheard of. Kate and Wills also waited before going on their honeymoon. They waited for 10 days so that William could go back to work after the bank holiday long weekend. I think it's better to take care of all those pesky duties before going off to relax anyway, because that way they don't have to worry about anything whilst they're on their honeymoon in Namibia. And I don't really get why couples immediately go on holiday or honeymoon after weddings anyway, because like you've got all the stress so of the big day. Whoopee. Hmm? So they can make whoopee. What, what does that word mean? <laughs> Sorry, what? Whoopee? Oh, no. Wh- you don't know what, what it means to hug and kiss your new partner? Well, and, I know what you know, that means, but I've never like heard that word. It's a special kind of hugging and kissing. Whoopee. Like a, a, you've heard of a whoopee cushion, though. Like a whoopee cushion is like a fart noise, it. right? Think about it. Think about it. Next whoopee. headline, What please. a strange word. James, give us before. our next headline. Next up, the Hollywood Reporter has fun news for anyone who has trouble identifying all of the more random royalty out there. <laughs> We're using royalty in finger quotes here for those who royalty. can't see this. Royalty. So yeah, sure, we yes. know Beatrice and Eugenie and even Zara and all of their parents, but the Queen has a couple of cousins and there are plenty more in the family tree that we certainly would not be able to pick out of a crowd. Maybe, but we're going to have some help because the Hollywood Reporter informs us that Sky News is going to offer up a special tech solution artificial intelligence. Viewers of skynews.com will be able to access a royal wedding 
Who's Who Live Tool, which harnesses the power of cloud-based image <laughs> analysis, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to tell you exactly who is wearing that absurd hat or that awful tie. So creepy. It is, but it's for our entertainment. Yeah, and it will make you look like a royal identification genius to all of your friends. So get on yes. it, guys. And finally, here's the big one. The Sun reports that insiders told them Harry and Meghan have decided on their first dance song. This is absurd. What? <laughs> this is just absurd. This is great. This is absurd. This is a great choice. They are saying that it is going to be Whitney Houston's hit single, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Oh, amazing. I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. I'm so happy. This is a great <laughs> choice, Kristen. <laughs> I don't think this is true. I've been in love and lost my senses. No, this is great. This, <laughs> this is, is so perfectly them. True. This is not true. Yeah, this is true. They say the couple want a fun and bouncy playlist for their guests. And I just think I think this is the perfect choice. Maybe they'll do like a clever thing where they, they do like a candlelight mix of the song and then the beat comes in. <laughs> you know what I can picture? You know, Harry dancing where he does the sprinkler with the one elbow, like... <laughs> dance with me boy part yes and then maybe he does that kind of russian dance thing where he kicks up his feet and then crosses his arms over his chest a little bit i have no idea what you're you describing know he's, you know, <laughs> i'm just nodding you know he's mm-hmm. just like an absolutely insane <laughs> wedding dancer you know his reputation for knocking over furniture at weddings yes oh my god right he's just got to take it to the next level with his own wedding it can't just be furniture he's knocking over he has to like give somebody a concussion yeah <laughs> p- p- push over charles <laughs> step over wills <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't actually think this song is going to I honestly think it will. I see, it feels so them, doesn't it? Uh, we'll see, though. Maybe? We'll see. We'll find out. We'll see. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for this week's headlines. And now it's time to welcome our friend Jamie Cuccinelli, Associate News Director for Brides Magazine. She's here every week to help us figure out all things wedding style. That's fashion, etiquette, accessories, entertaining, decor, and more. And... Jamie, this week, we have some important stuff to talk about with you. We do. Very important. It has to do with four wheels and a bunch of horses. It's the big carriage reveal. Straight out of Cinderella. Yes. (laughs) So welcome back and tell us all about the deal with the carriage for Meghan and Harry. Okay, so as we know, after they get married at St. George's, they're taking this beautiful horse-drawn carriage ride through the streets of Windsor. Very fairytale-esque, very excited to see it. And now we know exactly what carriage they'll be using because, of course, the royal family has many at their disposal. (laughs) Um, Just like all of us. Oh, of course. So casual. (laughs) So Megan and Harry will be taking their post-wedding carriage ride in an Ascot Lando carriage. This is one of five Ascot Landos that the royal family has, and they're called this because they're used at the Royal Ascot and like other state visits and ceremonies like royal weddings. So that means there's lots of headroom for hats. Oh, yes. I indeed. think of Ascot is all about the hats. <laughs> so you might recognize it as the carriage that Prince Harry and the young bridesmaids rode in during Kate Middleton and Prince William's post-wedding yeah. procession. Mm. And while Will and Kate rode in a 1902 state Landau, as did Princess Diana and Prince Charles and Sarah Ferguson and Prince Andrew, it makes sense that Megan and Harry chose this particular carriage. Just like their wedding venue is smaller, this one is slightly less imposing and more suited to the streets of Windsor. And it's actually been used before at other St. George's weddings 
weddings. When Prince Edward got married at St. George's, he also used the Ascot Lando to ride through the streets of Windsor. And it's, you know, smaller. It has very nice English countryside vibes. So it's very appropriate for the setting. It's so cute. And it's very easy for everyone in the streets to see this carriage. Yeah. So they're sat high up, right? Exactly. Because, you know, if that dress is just obscured for any moment, that's just criminal. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see it. We, we need, need to, to see, see it. it. Yes. And even if it's raining, we're still going to get a nice view of that dress because if it's raining, they're also going to ride in the Scottish state carriage, which is glass enclosed and even has a glass roof. So you can see right into it. Like a Pope mobile. So tell us about Storm and Tyrone, the horses that are like pulling the carriage. So Storm and Tyrone are like the co-stars of this whole shebang. So excited for them. <laughs> and they're two Windsor Grey horses, meaning that they are two grey-hued horses that the royal family uses to draw their carriages and coaches and ceremonial possessions like the royal wedding or um, the queen's trooping the color. And they were bred by Her Majesty at Hampton Court. And they're been trained for years to get used to, you know, the noise and the crowds, both of which there's going to be a ton of on the royal wedding day. So these horses won't go rogue. And they are father and son. They are father and son. Wow. Can you imagine working with your dad at this kind of event? (laughs) (laughs) And since Storm is also the name of the X-Men character that controls the weather, do you think that there's anything there about having one of the horses be Storm on a special day? Oh, I think this is a good omen. Yeah. Yes, yes. We need beautiful weather, and I think this is a very good omen. Storm has got it covered. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Although you did say that there is a backup plan with that other... There's always a backup plan. Yes. But I'm thinking Storm is going to, you know, take the reins on this one. Oh, take the reins. Oh, I love that. Oh. Jamie, you're slaying today. That's on like slaying, three different like, levels. Slaying like a <laughs> carriage. No, never mind. Oh my God. <laughs> Brilliant. And no one else is going to be riding a carriage in this procession. It's it's a solo procession. That that seems different. Is that normal? You know, usually we see a whole long ceremony procession, like at Will and Kate's. Prince Harry was obviously in a carriage with the young bridal party members. But again, smaller venue, more suited to the streets of Windsor. And again, it's all about these two. So it is just about these two mm-hmm. and about love for the world. But oh, indeed. About these two. Yes. <laughs> Our princess has her carriage. All is right in the world. So excited. <laughs> so excited for all this. Thank you so much, Jamie Cuccinelli, for joining us once again. And Jamie actually wrote about this whole subject at brides.com. So if you want to find out more about carriages and the history of carriages and royal weddings, check that out. Thanks so much, Thanks, Jamie. Jamie. Thank we'll see you next week. <clears throat> oh, my God. So close. <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> All right, guys, we're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back with this week's Deep Dive. And we're back, and it's time for our penultimate deep dive before the big day. I'm so emotional, I don't know what to do with myself. How can this be... Like, on one hand, it's the best thing ever, because it's coming it's coming true, and it's all happening, and love is real. But on the other hand, it's like the end. No, no, it's not the end. We have one more episode next week. We have another episode next week, and an episode after the wedding. Oh, okay, great. Good news, everyone. So today's deep dive... <laughs> With speculation still swirling about Meghan's true wedding gown designer, we wanted to examine the important history of royal wedding dresses. Yes, and James, I think it's important that we start from the beginning with the origins of the white dress, which dates back to one Queen Victoria in 1840. Yes. So Mary, Queen of Scots, actually 
also wore a white dress to her wedding, but it was not a popular choice at the time. White was seen as subdued, while royal weddings were usually much more ostentatious. But Queen Victoria, she really made it happen. And of course, a lot of people now think white is symbolizing purity. But Victoria's reasoning back when she had that silk dress in 1840 was just much more aesthetic. She thought the white accentuated the lace on her dress, which she purchased from a town with a declining lace trade, and she wanted to help publicize the artisan. And she also reportedly wanted to show good sense and prudence at her ceremony. I think that is so adorable. And also, I feel like what was happening here is that she wanted to make this a non-sort of political display. And actually, rather than being all like pomp and circumstance and having all this money thrown at her, she wanted to like maybe show her love for Albert in a much more sort of subdued fashion. Maybe, but, you know, my understanding of it is also that she wanted to have a dress that could only be worn once. It was also kind of a show of wealth because there's nothing practical about a white dress. When you buy a white dress, you're saying... I'm willing to own an item, to purchase an item that I can never wear anywhere else again, and nobody else will copy me. And supposedly that was part of her reasoning of having a white dress because nobody else would copy her because it was such an impractical thing to own. You can't wear that to a state dinner later. You can't wear that to a ball or a big function because it's such an obvious white lacy frothy thing. Yeah, you can't sit on the subway or tube wearing that. You're right. (laughs) So we're saying Victoria was like the original Bridezilla, basically. I think she might have been a little bit Bridezilla. Also, wasn't she like a teenager when she got married? Teenagers make dumb dress choices. No offense, Princess Di. And now we've all copied we've all copied that. That's brilliant. Yes. So I'm making fun of it. But yeah, now a very, very large percentage of the world gets married in a white dress. Yeah. Let's talk about Queen Elizabeth II's marriage. Oh, yes. Let's absolutely do that. That was when World War II was just ending. Yeah, so... Liz had to, like, save a bit, right? Well, I mean, she had to not look like she was being overly extravagant, I think. I mean, people had been living on rations up until that point, and she didn't want to necessarily show off like, look, we're billionaires. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But she still looked amazing. The tiara that she wore was Queen Mary's. borrowed, So she borrowed the tiara from Queen Elizabeth I. Apparently, the tiara broke the morning of the wedding which is evident in photos where you can see a gap in the jewels. I didn't know that. I <laughs> didn't so know insane, that. That's so insane, isn't it? Oh my gosh, what do you do when your tiara breaks at your wedding I and you're a queen? Tape it back together, I suppose. I guess keep some super glue around, some chewing gum. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of a weird metaphor for how the country was at that point as well, like needing to be like taped back together. It was a bit broken. So it's kind of nice. I kind of I think that's quite beautiful in a weird way. Oh, it's that's very symbolic. Deep. That's very deep. <laughs> this is a deep dive. <laughs> it's possible Meghan's going to borrow one of Princess Diana's tiaras on the big day. Here's hoping they treat that one with a little more care. Yeah, don't break it. And another trendy uh, royal bride was Princess Margaret, the Queen's sister. Oh, I love her dress. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yes. Her veil, which was held in place with the tiara, was a a cathedral length, which means it was more than 100 inches long. That is a long veil. And yet the dress was so simple and streamlined. It was such a gorgeous dress. I just loved that dress. Beautiful. And then let's circle back to Princess Di for a second. I was kind of bad-mouthing her. You know, teenage girls sometimes pick out 
ridiculous dresses. And Princess Di was only 19 when she got engaged. And as we all know now, her dress was like a giant meringue. It was so full of ruffles and puffs and poofs and bows. And there was so much going on with that dress. Ivory silk taffeta. There was a piece of lace on it that belonged to Queen Mary, which is a nice touch. Her train was a glorious 25 feet long. And her veil topped Margaret's at 153 yards. Guys, that's longer than an American football field, not the British football that we don't know anything about. The American football Are they not the same size? (laughs) No. And Diana also did the old uh, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, completing everything with a blue bow at her waist of her dress. And that dress looks like it weighs about 800 pounds, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's an odd choice. I don't want to shade it as much as you are, but... <laughs> also, it was the 80s. I think that people just had a different idea of what things of should what look was... like in the 80s, maybe. Yeah, Everything was kind of big and puffy then, right? I think, actually, she could have worn a bin bag and still looked stunning, though. Like... She she still looked beautiful. She did. She She looked beautiful. And I think a lot of what I'm saying about that dress is just, it hasn't aged as well as the other dresses we've talked about. Now, obviously, we don't really want to segue into Camilla from talking about Diana, but we also have to give Camilla some props for the incredible hat that she wore on her wedding day with Prince Charles. Oh, I love (laughs) that hat. It looks like kind of like a Christmas wreath, kind of like autumn festival sort of stick thing on her head. Yeah, her hat wardrobe or closet, if you're American, must be just huge. She has the best hats. This one was designed by Philip Tracy and had outstanding feathers. Yes, and (laughs) lest we forget, Philip Tracy was also the man behind Princess Beatrice's famous toilet bowl seat cover hat. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see what Philip Tracy is dragging out this time (laughs) and for Kate's wedding she followed the saying like Diana did with something old new borrowed in blue Kate's blue ribbon was sewn in the inside of her dress so perhaps Megan will do the same by the way I feel like now is a time when we should mention what the old new borrowed in blue comes from so yeah it comes from an old English rhyme and the old represents continuity. Something new offers optimism for the future. Something borrowed symbolizes borrowed happiness. I don't even know what that means. And something Ooh. blue stands for purity, love and fidelity. Also, did you know about this tradition about putting a sixpence in your shoe? Yeah, I love that. That's part of the old rhyme, right? <laughs> Something old, new, borrowed, blue. A sixpence in your shoe. I never knew about the sixpence in your shoe thing till now. So tell me about the the sixpence in your shoe. What's that meant to symbolize? It's supposed to symbolize good fortune and prosperity. But, I mean, how do you walk with that? The shoes are already so uncomfortable on your wedding day. And also, we don't have things called a sixpence in the U.S. We don't have that anymore anyway. (laughs) Like, what would that be worth now? Nothing. No, no. Let's not do that last tradition. Just stick to the other ones. And also, the royal family doesn't really need to worry about its wealth and fortune. They've sort of got that covered. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They do. All right. Enough about tradition and enough about history. Let's bring things to the present with Meghan's gown. Yep. So the rumors have been all over the place, but here's the latest. It's apparently a £100,000 gown, a gown worth £100,000, like nearly $200,000, designed by Ralph and Rosso. The dress in question has apparently got a big flouncy skirt and delicate lacy sleeves, which I feel like we predicted. Mm. And whilst it's beautiful, we don't feel like it's that Megan. No, I don't think that's Megan at all. I, I have said repeatedly that I think she's going to wear something a little bit more streamlined and architectural, something a little bit like Margaret's dress when she got married and something that will stand the test of time. So 
Lacey also seems a little bit more fussy than we're used to seeing her in. She usually wears something that's just, I don't know, has more polish and is a little less fussy than that. Yeah, it's very traditional Disney princess. It's very Hollywood, actually. And we do still think we'll see something a little bit more modern on the big day itself. But, of course, it will have a train for days. Yes, yes. We definitely think there's going to be a very, very long train. Now, just a note about Ralph and Russo. This is the same designer team that created the dress that Megan wore in her engagement photos that I compared to a figure skating outfit. That kind of transparent, meshy black top with the full skirt with the sequins on it. So they also designed that. And that was such a steamy photo shoot. So I can't wait to see how Megan is looking on the big day. Dressmakers around the world are already excited about the prospect of Megan setting future trends for weddings. I mean, whenever Megan wears like a coat or a skirt or a sweater in public, it sells out immediately. So this will be a boon to the industry. All right, we have to take another break, but we'll be back in just a moment with this week's prediction. And we're back, and it's time for our weekly prediction. As you know, in each episode, we make a big prediction for what we think is going to go down on the wedding day, and we've made many a prediction so far, but today's is about Harry. Yes. The prediction is that Harry (gasps) is going to keep his facial hair for the wedding. And we know this is a very controversial prediction because in the past... He's cleaned up for weddings. You know, Will's wedding, he was very clean shaven. That baby face was showing. But no, this time around, we are predicting he's keeping that stubble. Yeah, because also we haven't seen Harry without a beard for a long time. So it would feel like a different person if he didn't have the beard anymore. And the beard makes him look really grown up and sexy and dignified. Ugh. Yes, so good. So good. And I just think that it wouldn't look like he's the same Harry of Harry and Meghan. When we think of Harry and Meghan, this is the Harry we know. He's Harry. Did I just say that? (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I just said it. I said it. But he he can't get rid of his facial hair because then he's not Harry anymore. He's so daddy with that facial hair. But then again, Megan's not going to want any kind of stubble rash on her face after their first kiss, so maybe he will. Well, they're not going to get deep into it when they're kissing. You know how the royals, when they kiss, it's like a very chaste oh. kiss they always give each other. It's so Why? chaste. Why? No, that we want a full PDA. Well, there, there are going to be some PDAs on the day, but you know he's not going to be like grinding his face into hers. Just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about my joke about Harry. <laughs> I... I needed to just, like, I'll let you have it. (laughs) I can't stop. Harry. Harry. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Reminder, everyone, on the wedding day, we are going to be releasing a bingo board slash drinking game with all of our wild, exciting, honest, and truthful predictions. And you're going to drink along with us while all these predictions come true. And next week. We're going to throw in a whole bumper section of predictions for you so that we've got loads of excuses to drink. Oh, my gosh. There are going to be so many predictions. It will not be B-I-N-G-O. It will be B-I-N-G-O. Go, 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 go. It'll be all <laughs> And I'm going to make some really obvious predictions like Megan will be there so that we've got <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of drinks from the outset lined up. Yes. <laughs> 
And that's it for this week's episode of When Megan Met Harry. When Megan Met Harry is produced by Her Royal Highness, Lindsay Cradwell. Thanks also to Baron Ryan Dilly, our producer in London. And as always, thanks to Andy Bowers, Archduke of Panoply. Yeah. Do you have questions about the royal wedding before the big day or a prediction for us? Or do you have questions about what outfit you should be wearing or what you should do at your parties? You can send us an email anytime at whenmeganmetharry at panoply.fm or tweet us at Royal Wedding Pod. And Chris and I would love to see what you're wearing on the big day. Oh, like, yes. have you got fascinators ready? What are your outfit plans? Show us pictures. Tweet at Royal Wedding Pod. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm James Barr. Big love. Love. Bye-bye. Do you want us to sing more? (laughs) Yeah, do you want us to sing more? I've got so many more notes in me. (laughs) Somebody, ooh, somebody, ooh, somebody who loves me. You could just put this at the outtakes at the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I want a man to take... Sorry.